Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. God showed me something, and I, I want to go after it together. Amen. I'm not making a comment on other Vision Sundays. I've been a part of Vision Sundays. I've led them, and I couldn't wait for them to be over. You know what I mean? That was me. I was leading it, and I couldn't wait for it to be over. Hopefully, you can feel the wind of the Spirit on this, that God showed me a couple months ago that the resting place is really a big boat, and it's got multiple sails. Those multiple sails are the multiple campuses of the resting place. And Tampa, this campus that we're, we're in right now, is the main sail. And so uh, we shared a lot about that a couple weeks ago, that we're kind of restarting this new format. But all of our campuses are going to be catching the same wind every week, speaking on the same principles every week. And I'm not writing anyone's sermons for them, but we are all going in the same direction. We're receiving from the Lord in the same way. So today, at all of our campuses, we're talking about prayer. That's what we're talking about today. And we're talking out of Isaiah, and we're, we're taking that same approach all together. That's the new format. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm excited about it. I feel like it's really good, and that's the reason for the awesome uh, sermon bumper video thing with the boat and everything. I don't know. It's super cool to me. I'm like, it's so cool. Anyway, so today is about prayer, but I really want to put in a statement statement for you because every week we're going to be talking about this. What does it mean to be a people that God can rest upon? A people, not a person, a people. So in order for us to be a people that God can rest upon, we have to be a people of prayer. That's right. A prayerless people is not, I mean, God is not going to rest on that the way he would rest on a prayerful people. Amen? Like God is moving throughout the earth, right? We can't stop God from moving. How many know that? Like God's going to move. It's called the sovereignty of God. He does what he wants. Amen? Amen? However, when we partner with the desires of God, we are actually catching and harnessing the wind of the Spirit so that we can go where He wants us to go, reach who He wants us to reach. And it's not church as usual. It's actually a movement. Amen? We, God is always moving, but we move with Him depending on our obedience to His voice. I'm going to say it again. God is always moving no matter what you do, but we are moving based on our obedience with Him. Amen? So, Today, jumping into this series, we want to have a result, okay? There's actually a result. We're looking for a target. We're shooting for a target at the end of this whole thing. Here's the result we want. At the end of this whole We Are the Resting Place series, we want to see a people unified and no longer isolated in the way they carry the Holy Spirit. I want to see a church unified and no longer isolated in the way we carry the Holy Spirit. It's like the, the living stones connected together making that temple for God. And that's our anchor verse here. So for the whole series, our anchor verse is Ephesians 2, verses, Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. This is what it says. It says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, even though some of you are strange and, you know, no, no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members, say members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. In whom the whole structure, say the whole structure, being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place, a resting place, for God by the Spirit. Amen? 
So we see in here this, this picture of a temple and each stone being connected so that we can actually be a house, a household. Something that carries the magnitude, the power, the mercy, the, ma the majesty of God himself. What a privilege. I mean, really, think of it. And I started the gathering this way, but this is such a privilege to be with you. Like, we love you on live stream. We bless you. We hope you can make it here. We, we want you to go from there to here because we want to be together. It's powerful when we're together. Why? Because we're living stones being knit together into a holy dwelling place for God. Amen? Think about the picture of stone on stone. Stone, well, stone above you, a stone beneath you, a stone to your right, a stone to your left. You know why some people don't like church very much? There's too much pressure. Too much pressure. And sometimes that pressure is unhealthy, amen. But there is a healthy pressure that comes with being a stone in the wall. You got pressure above you, you got pressure beneath you, pressure to your right, pressure to your left. And it's supposed to hem you in. Like, no, you can't do that. It's not right. Nope, you can't go there. We won't let you. No, we won't let you run away from your destiny. No, you have to. You have to go after everything God has for you. We're going to keep you there. But if you separate from the wall, you're over here. You're just a stumbling block. You're just outside on the wall, just hanging out on your own saying, Jesus is my shepherd. Well, if you were listening to your shepherd, he would say, go be with my people. Because he is the good shepherd who knows that there's strength in numbers. You know why he can leave the 99? Because they're together. That's the reason he can go get the one. Because the 99 have each other. It's important. We have to be together. And I'm not just talking about Sundays. I'm talking about we need to create a community of faith. That's where God will rest. Amen? It's not just about this room. It's not just about our multiple campuses. It's about our hearts making room for one another. Connecting at a deep level. And letting the pressure do what the pressure does. Like when you're trying to act a fool, let the stone on your right stop you. You know what I mean? We start to open your mouth and talk in all that ridiculousness. Let the stone above you say, uh-uh-uh-uh, we don't talk that way in this family. That is not our way. Amen? So I love this picture, this holy dwelling place. And part of that dwelling place, really, I say part, the central part, the first part, the reason we're talking about prayer first is because it is central, it is first. To be a people God can rest upon, we have to be a people of prayer. And God spoke to me about this whole ship thing with those sails and all that. He said to me at, at the last Tampa Bay 24 at Abide Church, he said, the thread of the sails are the prayers of the saints. And he gave me this understanding and this knowing that if we don't thread the sails with enough strength, he won't be able to send the wind he wants to send. It's actually out of his mercy that he's withholding the mighty rushing wind because he knows the sails would rip. So I'm not calling us weak. I'm saying there needs to be an upgrade in the strength of our sails because there's an upgrade in the strength of the wind coming. Are you with me? So we got to thread those things. And we got to do it intentionally. We got to do it together. And we do it with prayer. So we're going to look at Isaiah 56. Isaiah 56 Verse 6 through 7. This is the verse. These are the passages that everybody's preaching on this morning. It says, and the foreigners, say the foreigners, the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them, listen, joyful in my house of prayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get this. Joy is actually supposed to be the result of prayer meetings. 
I'm saying it that way because it's usually not the result of our prayer meetings. You're just like, oh, glad that's over. I feel kind of beat up. Somebody whacked me with a flag. I don't know. We were shouting a lot. Oof. <laughs> True story. <laughs> I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. It's not called a house of worship. It's not called a house of miracles. It's not called a house of sermons for crying out loud. But that's the house of cards we've built. That wind will take that sucker out, I'm telling you. The wind I'm talking about, the wind I've seen in my spirit, the wind he wants to send. His house is a house of prayer for all people. That means diverse people, different age groups, different ethnicities, just all people. All means all. In Hebrew, Aramaic, Spanish, English, all means all. Okay? My house will be called a house of prayer for all people. Jesus wasn't referencing Isaiah when he said it. He was referencing Jeremiah 7. He says, you made my house a den of thieves. My house will be called a house of prayer. Zeal for my house has consumed me. What is that zeal? It's that we would commune with God and know him in personally by experience because we talk. Husbands and wives, how deep is your relationship if you don't talk? A lot of people hanging out with Jesus, few people talking to him. And even fewer people talking to him right. I'm going to ruin about 95.3% of your prayer life in just a few minutes. So just hang on tight, okay? 95.3%. That's my guesstimate. Let's break this down, the Isaiah 56 scripture. It says, the foreigners who join themselves. Who are the foreigners? What is this? That's right. It's us. Because remember back in Ephesians 2, 19 through 20, it says, you're no longer strangers, aliens. You're no longer foreigners. But you were. We were back in the day because there's a divine segregation to the old covenant. God actually divinely separated the people of the earth. He said the Jews and the non-Jews, Jews and Gentiles. It was a divine segregation ordained from heaven. Sounds pretty tough to hear, but he needed to do it because the law had to tutor us to Christ. It had to lead us to Christ. That word tutor in Galatians is, by the way, is hall monitor. The law had to take us from one classroom to another, from glory to to glory, right? From faith to faith. The law was a hall monitor that took us from one to another. And so we were, if we were living back in Isaiah's day when it said the foreigners, it would be talking about us. It would be talking about the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, right? And now we have the great privilege of being members of the household of God. No longer strangers or aliens. It's not talking about not being weird because, you know, you are. But it's about actually being a part of a family now. We know you. You're no longer outcast. You're no longer other there. Over there. You're no longer other. Amen. We're together. Who are these foreigners? They're everyone who are not the Jewish bloodline. I can prove it to you. Ephesians 3, 1 through 6. Paul, 
He's speaking to the Ephesians from a prison cell. And he says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. So if you don't know who Paul is, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He was the guy killing Christians that Jesus knocked him off his donkey and blinded his eyes for a couple minutes, a few days, and he was delivered. And now he's the, the one of the greatest voices in Christianity right? And one of the most authenticated dudes, all right? Wrote so much scripture, it's not even funny. And he didn't even walk with Jesus in the flesh. He only walked with Jesus in the spirit. So Paul is actually a great prototype for you and I. Are you following me? I heard a question in the room. Who is Paul? I heard that question when I was reading it, so I'm answering the question. I don't know who that was, but I heard your thought. This guy was actually the most zealous Pharisee the craziest of crazy, all right? He was on his way to jail up some Christians and potentially lead them to their death. And he got a blinding light. Blinded by the light. Yeah, that. Just bang, popped him off his horse, all right? And he was blinded, literally blinded. And a prophet came, uh, another disciple of Jesus set him free, and now he's this fierce voice. And he's saying, I am now in prison, enchained for this message to the Gentiles, to the non-Jewish people. He is a Jew that now is reaching out to the others. All right, whoever you are, I hope I answered your question. When you read this, it says, it says, uh, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery, say this mystery. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. That's crazy talk for a Jewish man. That's crazy, countercultural, big no-no talk. All right? And he's saying, this is the mystery that Christ revealed to me. He got it from Jesus himself, that the Gentiles, everybody's in if they believe in Jesus. All the non-Jewish people are in if they believe in this one Jewish man. You know your Savior is Jewish, right? Okay. <laughs> Just feel like saying it sometimes, you know. <laughs> Some weird stuff out there. <laughs> I'm really speaking to more than this room, this gathering. I'm speaking to the live stream, the 1115, talking to my Facebook frenemies. It's fun. Just so you know, we're not live streaming the 9 a.m. anymore. So if you want the raw, unpolished version of this message, you can come to the 9 a.m. That's, I, I polish it up for the 11.15 because I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to them, you know. It's like, so anyway, all right, just announcement. <laughs> the Gentiles are members of the same body, partakers of the promises of Israel. That's radical stuff. So you can say, I was a foreigner. Now I belong to the family. Come on. You belong to the family of God. All of the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. We're not replacing Israel. We're grafted into Israel. There's replacement theology out there. I am not saying that. That's garbage, total garbage. We are grafted in. We're a wild olive shoot, grafted in to the vine. We're the wild ones, the ones that grew in the wilderness, grafted in. That happened last week with South Tampa. Got grafted into Tampa. The wild ones are here. Yes. Tampa, y'all pretty wild, but whew, South Tampa's been in a glory bubble for a while, and they, they don't know how to climb out. We don't want them to. So it's just they're bringing their bubble. Amen. 
But he's made two one. These separate peoples have become one. And Paul's assignment, the Jewish man who was a Pharisee of Pharisees, his assignment was to the others. And he said, God made this mystery known to me. Are you seeing this? He says, I'm for the foreigners. Aren't you grateful for Paul? He's probably the reason you're here. <laughs> Whoever he led to Jesus led someone else to Jesus that led you to Jesus. He championed the Gentiles among, even with Peter and all the, the council in Jerusalem. He said, no, no, they're all in. We're going together. You have a lot to, to think of Paul, right? And when you see him in heaven, you just give him a high five and say, thanks, buddy. No. He'd be like, whoa. Thank you so much. All right. So we are the foreigners. Say we were the foreigners. Now we're members. Amen. Amen. It doesn't just say they're foreigners. It says the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord. Now that phrase is very important. Those who join themselves to the Lord. That word joining is about, it's a picture of marriage. Even the word, even the Levi, the name Levi means to join, to unify. The two being made one. Those who join themselves to the Lord. So we've not just been joined with a people or with, you know, Jew and Gentile joined together. We've been joined to the Lord in union with him. Come on. The life of the believer does not end in union with God. It starts there. You start in union with Christ. His finish line is your starting point. When he said it is finished, you began. That's the truth. That's the truth. I was up in Pennsylvania, like I told you a little bit earlier. And I was just preaching this just straight gospel stuff, my favorite stuff to preach. I love it when Jesus lets me preach my favorite stuff, like Galatians 2.20. And it was awesome. It was awesome. My, my sons were with me. I think I told you that. I'm also a little sleep deprived. We got in at 10 p.m. last night, canceled flights. It was crazy. 36 hours of travel, but it was worth it to be here with you. It was worth it. It was worth it. So it was some, there was some really cute and funny stuff. My boys were at a level 11. Uh, Shiloh was announcing to the whole airport, my four-year-old, that we're going to the poke your nose. We went to the Poconos and Pennsylvania. He's like, we're going to the Poconos. And Judah was inviting everyone. I think Judah's an evangelist. He's like, come with us to family camp. You can come. There's space for you. He's talking to strangers like that in the airport. I'm like, okay, I'm seeing some anointings, you know. I'm praying to that. Get Judah with Abraham, you know, and just get him. Start him now. You know what I mean? Like, let's go. <laughs> He literally invited a lady, right? He invited this, like, are you coming? Come on. He was, like, adamant about it. Anyway, Shiloh was a little more uh, reclusive about it to the point that he didn't even, it was her first time on airplanes. I'm just telling you this because it's fun. First time on airplanes, and the, the stewardess, the guy who's, like, handing out the snacks, he invaded Shiloh's space a little bit too much. Shiloh's in the aisle seat, and the guy, you know, is just reaching to help somebody, but Shiloh was here, and here's the guy reaching. So Shiloh just punched him right in the butt. Just <laughs> He did. He's like, <laughs> he's like, hello. And the guy stands up. I'm like, I'm so sorry. He's like, it's okay. So Judah's inviting people. Shiloh's just punching people. It was a journey. It was a journey. But I got to preach on things like Galatians 2.20. It's no longer, I have been crucified with Christ. No longer I who lives with Christ who lives in me. Come on. And Romans 6.6, 6, we know our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. I got to talk about this union message, and I don't get to talk about it today. But that word join is all of that. Who join themselves to the Lord. It's a marriage term, y'all. Because Jesus is the heavenly bridegroom, and we are the bride. Okay? So let's look at this 
this context of marriage. Ephesians 5, 31 through 32 gives this context between the church and Christ. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. Say, this mystery is profound. And it's not talking about how two uh, people of the opposite sex can live together for 50 years. That's not the mystery he's talking about, even though that's mysterious. <laughs> and can I get a witness for any married people? It's a mystery. And it's also profound, but he's not talking about that. Okay? He's talking about this. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So marriage is actually a picture of Jesus and his bride. That's the picture. Are you with me? So we're to take this joining ourselves to the Lord as marriage wedding language. We're talking to, in prayer, we're talking to our heavenly bridegroom. I'd like to submit to you that the highest form of worship, the highest form of prayer is bridal affection. It's holy anointed pillow talk with the king. And it's done corporately with one another. Come on now. This is the context. In 1 Corinthians 6, we're going to go there. It talks about the breaking away of these confines of marriage. It talks about the, the other side of the same coin and how egregious it is and what it does and how deep that calamity goes. It says, do you not know, 1 Corinthians 6, 15 through 17, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? You're like, oh, yeah, I know, spiritually. No, no, no. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that when he, is he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is written, the two shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So here we see how sexual morality is a direct attack against the purity of our communion with God. That's why the Bible says, flee sexual immorality. Flee it. Run with haste away from it, for all other sin is outside the body, but sexual immorality is against the body, not just your body, but his body. So any measure of sexual immorality is grossly inappropriate and extremely dangerous, and it prohibits your prayer life. The foreigners who join themselves to the Lord shall minister to him. We're talking about a holy union here. A holy union here. It matters what you do in the dark. It matters. You're members of his body. You think no one sees, he feels it. You turn off all the lights you want, he still feels it. It's his body. He feels it. Flee from sexual immorality. Some of you, I had a word of knowledge in, in worship today. Some of you, you actually believe that that's not who you are. You actually have right beliefs. You're not limited. You're not saying, oh, I'm a wretch. Oh, I'm just, I'm pro, it's my proclivities, whatever. You believe you're called to something higher. You do. But you don't have strength to resist temptation. And you just need to pray for greater strength to resist temptation because there's a lot of it. We are hypersexualized. Our culture is hypersexualized. It's going to be in front of you. There is no getting, getting away from it. Temptation will come, Jesus said. Many temptations will come. 
right? It's not about getting out of an, a temptation zone. You will be tempted today, tomorrow, the next day. Young people, you will be tempted. You will. I say young people. I'm 34. I'm still youngish. But I found out I'm not cool anymore. My words, like, I'm lame, technically. Like, I said those who pray together, slay together, trying to be cool in the 9 a.m. I'm not going to do that this time. Just trying to relate to Gen Z, slay, whatever. I don't know. I, I, I got too many graves for that. I don't know. Whatever. But listen to me. Sexual intercourse outside of marriage is going to ruin your heart in the worst kind of ways. I'll tell you why. Because without the covenant, without the I'm not leaving you no matter what bond, unbreakable, unto death covenant, it is too heavy for you. It weighs too much. You cannot carry it. It's too high a thing. You know what my father said to me when I was a young man? He said, we didn't have the talk. We had this talk. One talk. He said, Caleb, the minute you have sexual intercourse, you are accepting the responsibility of a family. So make sure the minute you do that, you're ready for that. He looked me in the eyes. That's all he had to say. I said, yes, sir. And I knew, okay, I, I'm not ready for a family. I can't lead a family. I am not. I am not doing that. And I refused it. And I, I saved myself. I'm not talking purity culture like maybe you brought up in purity culture where everybody lies about it and wears the ring, okay? Uh, you're, you're, mm-hmm, because you know. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, this hand, mm-hmm, yeah, liars, every one of you, liars. The loudest ones were the liars, the, the biggest liars. The time has told the story. I'm not even saying something radical. I'm just, that time, I'm just repeating facts. So there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, amen? And shall you unite the members of Christ in sexual immorality to someone else? No, you shall not. There's no room for that. None. No measure. None. You need this pressure, man. I'm putting my weight on you now. We'll see who wants to be the bride and who just wants to have a good time? The irony is the good times on the other side of obedience. <laughs> the blessing of the marriage covenant, the marriage bed, you can't even touch it with that other crap. You can't even touch it. You don't even get close. I'm telling you. All right. A few people blushing, multiple people uncomfortable. Did I do my job? I did it. I did. Okay. The foreigners who join themselves to the Lord. Amen? Say, I'm joined to the Lord. What I do with my body matters. Some of you just need strength to fight temptation. It's coming back to me. Some of you just need to pray for greater strength to fight temptation. That's all it is. Temptation comes, start praying out loud. If it doesn't work, call somebody. Get in the wall. Are you with me? Okay. Why? Because the next part, it says, to minister to him. From Isaiah 56. It says, the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord. Why are we joined to the Lord? To minister to him. Eve is Adam's helpmate. We are the last Eve. He's the heavenly last Adam. We are to serve him. We are to serve the Lord. Amen. So an essential element of prayer is ministry to God. Ministry to the Lord. It's getting to serve him. That's what the word ministry means. 
You, anyone in here want, if you're like, I want to be in full-time ministry, it's full-time service. <laughs> full-time service. Let's, let's define the term here. <laughs> my job, 9.3% of my job is on this microphone. Okay? The rest is carrying hearts all week long. Leading leaders, getting in the mud with people and pulling them out. It's service. And we're called to do that first to Jesus. Let me give you the context for this. Deuteronomy 10 verse 8. This is when Moses went up to get the tablets for the Ten Commandments. He comes down, they build the ark, and it says this. At that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi. The word Levi means to join. The ones who are joined to the Lord. Are you hearing this? You're a royal priesthood, like Abraham said earlier, right? So that priesthood element is the Levitical priesthood. That's a type and shadow of who you are today. Are you following me? Okay. So at that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to him, and to bless his name to this day. So the Levites, Levites were to carry the presence and bless the Lord. So we need to bless the Lord from the presence of God. We need to bless him in his holy sanctuary. The final psalm in the book of Psalms says, bless him in his holy sanctuary. So it's not from earth to heaven. It's from heaven. It's from his presence we get to bless him. Come on. And our call is to be those heavenly priests, kings and priests, both, who minister to the Lord in this way. That's not the only reference. First Chronicles 16.4. Speaks of the Levites as well. This is when David set up the open tabernacle. It's called the tabernacle of David. It's what God is rebuilding in these days. Okay. Then he appointed some of the Levites. Ooh, okay. Hold on. No, yes. Okay. I'm talking to Jesus. Hold on. <laughs> See, these are those moments like you couldn't have told me that at the 9 a.m. You got to do it on the live stream. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're going to go here real quick. Little side note. You ready? A little side note. I do a little side note. If you're sending money to build the temple, you're not understanding God wants to build the tabernacle. Okay. So there's this whole movement on the earth to rebuild the third temple. Stop it. That's not the plan. That's so stupid. You're going to bring back animal sacrifices? You're going to sew the veil back up? There's, this is a rising movement in Christianity, y'all. It is out there. It's gaining a lot of steam. I did not plan to talk about this. God wants to rebuild the tabernacle of David. The tabernacle of David is an open tent that moves. That's open for all people. It's not exclusive. It doesn't cut off. It says everybody's welcome. And if we're fighting for the other thing, we're fighting against the plan of God. Okay. I hope that was what I was supposed to say. Thank you, Jesus, for letting me get back to my notes. It's, it says he appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord to invoke, say invoke, to thank, say thank, and to praise, to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. So listen to this. This is the plan for the prayer meetings right here. This is what it should look like in a prayer meeting. First step, we invoke the Lord. That means to call upon the Lord. He's always with us, but he's manifest when we call upon his name. Two or more gather. There's a manifest presence. Hopefully you're feeling the presence of God and not just the presence of the sound of my voice right now. And hopefully God is blessing this mess that I'm giving you. I don't know. It's funny. I said the 11 to 15 is more polished. The 9 was way more polished. This one's very, 
whatever. First step, we invoke the presence, meaning come Lord Jesus. He's always with us, amen, but there's greater measures. I don't know about you, but I want the like presence of God so thick that when people drive down I-75 and hit like the I-4 corridor, like tumors fall off. Like metal disappears. Like people pull over and run into a church and say, what must I do to be saved? I don't know what happened. I just drove into your town and I feel conviction. And I hear a voice telling me, Jesus is Lord. Who is Jesus? Those days are coming. They're coming through those doors. And they're coming as we thread the sails. I want to pray, send the wind. The Lord won't let me pray it anymore. (laughs) He's saying, pray, thread the sails. So hurry up, y'all. Let's thread the sails. It can't be just my prayer life. Amen? And I plan to outpray all of you, but it cannot be my prayer life. It has to be us. We are the resting place. We invoke him first. Then we thank him. Thanksgiving has to do with what God has done. His hand. What God, how God has moved. So first we say come. Then we say thank you for how you've already come. Thank you for how you've already moved. And then it says to praise the Lord, which is about who he is. Exhorting him for who he is. Magnifying him. Okay? That's the prayer meeting. Did you notice none of that is asking for your needs? Any need you have, you should ask of him. But the majority of your prayer life should not be you talking about you. I know I ruined 95.3% of your prayer life just now. Because you're just praying for your own needs. You know, it says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We're praying for all the things to be added because we're not seeking first. We feel the need to pray for all the things to be added because we're not doing the first thing first. We're not invoking the Lord. We're not thanking him. We're not praising him. That's prayer. That's the majority of the prayer meeting right there. And you can pray for your needs, but guess what? If you invoke him and he comes, you thank him for what he's done, and you praise him for who he is, your needs get really, really small. Because you go, whoa, you're big. Whoa, you've done a lot. Wow, you're powerful. I'm not even worried about that other stuff anymore. Don't even, I don't, any, Jesus said your heavenly father knows what you need before you ask. So what should our prayer meetings be? Invocation, thanksgiving, and praise. Thursday at 6 p.m. We'll see how popular Jesus is in this church. Because the Sunday morning is horizontal and vertical. But the prayer meeting is straight vertical. This is partly for you. That is all for him. And you're like, well, I got things to do. I understand. Well, maybe you should reorient your life around the important things that you should be doing. Maybe the Western church needs to get off her entitlement high horse and start praying like she's persecuted so she doesn't have to be. Because God will allow persecution where there is no growth. He will. Just to spur it. Just to kick it off. I'm not saying that's the only way persecution comes. I'm saying he'll allow it because, well, they're not praying. They need persecution. I know you're like, that doesn't sound like God. Well, I let my sons fall down every now and then because they're not listening. Don't run. Don't run. Don't run. Don't run. Stop. Stop. I'm being persecuted. Why did you do this to me, Daddy? Don't run, don't run, don't run. Stop, 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 stop. I did a lot. I even reached for you. You, you ran away. Those little legs move quick. 
We're doing the same thing in the church. We need to grow up. We need to grow up. And stop calling, you know, people disagreeing with you on Facebook persecution. Stop it. Stop. Stop. There are people losing their lives for this gospel today. And you're calling that persecution? Get over yourself. Am I now trying to win the hearts of men? Or am I being obedient to God? For if I were trying to tickle your ears, I'm paraphrasing Paul now, I would not be a servant of the Most High. I'm here to serve the Lord, no matter how offensive that is to you. Because culturally, we are so off. The church needs to get, I mean, make prayer great again. Let's buy hats. Let's put them on there. Like, let's just. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to do something to break you out of your. You were just stuck there. I had to break you out. All right. It's going to be okay. No condemnation. Let's just start. Let's be a prayerful people who invoke, thank, and praise. It doesn't just say that. It says to love the name of the Lord. And the word and the idea of the name of the Lord is the character of God. That's praise. Biblically speaking, a name is not just something you call someone. It's a character definition. This is who they are. Right? So we love your loving kindness, God. We, that's praising his name. We love how merciful you are. That's praising his name. You are so beautiful. Your patience designed that no one would, per, would perish. That's praising his name, his character. Are you hearing me? That's why you can't, like, curse someone to hell in the name of Jesus. Because it's not in his character to do that. And yet many of us are just praying a bunch of God-awful stuff. All selfish, all inward focus, all about me, myself, and I, and just slapping in the name of Jesus on the end of it, hoping it'll work like a magic spell. It's the gospel, not magic spells, all right? So let's go spell it out for everybody. It has to be you in communion with God, in line with his character, releasing his word back to him, ministering to him, and forgetting about yourself for a few minutes. It says to be his servants. So part of serving the Lord is serving one another, amen? Whatever you do to one another, the least of these you do unto me. But part of serving the Lord is nothing to do with people. It has everything to do with just serving him. What a mighty privilege we have. He says, I want to hear you, sir. Serve me. And we get to. We're talking about the God of Elijah. We're talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of King David wants to hang out and hear your voice. What a privilege. Are we taking it lightly? Are we taking for granted that which he has granted? Man, prayer is how we serve the Lord directly. We bless him. We pour out our love for him. We speak to him like nobody else is listening in a crowded room. Are you with me? So I want to charge you today. And this might be, you might feel, I don't know, convicted in church. Hallelujah. Great. We need to get back to like, convicting sermons where you actually walk out having to having to change something because you heard the truth and you have the knowledge of the truth and the knowledge of the truth will actually set you free (laughs) so i want you to walk out here more free i'm on the found get free program i'm with you guys all right i got grip for prayer at an awaken the dawn event i would not have said before a few years ago about three i don't remember when it was i think it was three years ago when Awaken the Dawn first came and we were at, uh, in the Dover place where, two years ago, yeah, I would not have said before then that I'm a man of prayer. I was asking God to make me a man of prayer. My prayer life really was not good. I really prayed for stuff I needed. 
It was like a, a weapon. It was like a tool. Okay, I need this. I'm going to pray for it. I want to see that. I'm going to pray for it. And then God gripped me in that prayer meeting. So I'm, I'm telling this testimony because I, want you to, I don't want you to feel like, oh, Caleb's that holy guy. We're down here. No, we're, I'm your brother submitting all this to you. Amen? You know, we're all brothers and sisters. I'm submitting to you as your brother. This is what's needed in this hour. Amen? That's all it is. I'm working extra hard right now because I feel like there's, like, someone called to a prayer ministry that's super offended right now. I feel like you're called to actually help lead this, and you're upset with me. So if you're in the room or online, hear what I'm saying and don't hear what I'm not saying. Hear the word of the Lord. <sighs> okay. Man, all y'all are talking too loud in your heads. I'm hearing it. I don't know. So <laughs> I was at that prayer meeting, and... It was a pastor's prayer before the event, and it was very nice and neat, and everyone was praying, and people are pacing, and it was just so lovely, and everyone's praying nice, neat prayers, and then something came up in my insides and grabbed my intestines. It's literally what it felt like, like something out of some alien movie. I don't know. Like, it just grabbed me on the inside, started squeezing my insides like my bowels got squeezed. I felt it in the physical, y'all. And I was on my face, and I couldn't, there was a shout inside of me that I got gripped, and everybody's praying nice, deep prayers, and I just interrupt. I'm on the floor going, come, Lord Jesus! Come, Lord Jesus! For 20 minutes, simultaneously embarrassed and freaking out. I was like, Caleb, shut up! Like talking to myself. You ever talk to yourself when God's moving through you? You're like, I'm like, what are you doing? You don't know these people. They don't know you. Stop. No one's going to understand. You don't understand. It's like I was trying to shut it down. It got worse. The grip went. The more I tried to shut it down. It was crazy. I got gripped for prayer. Since that moment, I can tell you I'm a man of prayer because God made me one. He gripped me from the inside out. And now prayer is like breathing. It shouldn't be a, life, a last resort. Prayer should not be a last resort. It should be a lifestyle. Like, this is how I live. This is how I take a deep breath. I just talk to my father. I talk to my bridegroom. Come on. But you can't make that happen is what I'm saying to you. You can't, like, check a box and say, yeah, I signed me up for that. You got to let him grip you. So just let him make you into that. Amen? But as you're letting him, let's partner I was at, I went to the meeting, y'all. I showed up early. I was there. I made myself available to God. That's the point. That's your part, right? Invoke, thank, praise. He grips. Amen? So I do have a charge for you, and I want you to stand up before you hear it. So let's stand together. To be a people that God can rest upon, we have to be a people of prayer. Amen? Okay. Say Amen. To be a people that God can rest upon, we have to be a people of prayer. Amen? There's a charge in Scripture. I shared this last week. I'm going to share it again. I want you to hear this, and I'm praying that God will use it to, like, brand your spirit with this. It's Psalm 132, 3 through 9. This is what the psalmist said. I want, I want this to be in us as a people, not just me, a people. I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord. A dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Do you remember we're being knit together into that? Yes? 
Behold, we heard of it in a path row. We found it in the fields of Jr. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord. Go to your resting place. You and the ark of your might. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness and let your saints shout for joy. Yes. Amen. My prayer is that this would be branded in us. I will not give myself rest until I see a resting place for God. I was in my office. I have a map of Florida, and I don't know if this was in the natural or I was just having a spiritual trip. I don't know. But I saw a hand come out of the sky one day. This was a couple years back. I've told this before. A hand came out of the sky. Yeah, legit. Like, I'm like, I think I could touch it. I didn't try. Okay, freaked me out. And it wrote on my map across central Florida, it wrote R-E-S-T. And I understood an assignment that we're to put a belt of glory around Tampa or around Florida really across the central, the I-4 corridor, so that when people drive through, down through I-75, stuff happens, they get in our atmosphere because we're carrying the king. We're the Levites with the ark on our shoulders. We're ministering to him. No longer strangers and aliens, but fellow members of the household of God. Tampa Bay will be the house of God. Central Florida will be the resting place for the Most High. And we need every stone in its place. And we need every sail strengthened to catch the wind. So, Lord Jesus, I ask right now over this house, make us your resting place. We say we will not quit. We will not give up. We will not stop until you have a resting place in the earth. And it will be in our region. It will be in this house. It will be with these people. Lord, we thank you for building us into that dwelling place. We thank you, Lord, for centering us in prayer. And God, I pray that there will be holy conviction right now on every heart to reorient our lives around prayer, praying together and praying on our own. God, I ask you to come do it because only you can grip us in this way. Come and grip us, Lord, like that for your glory, for your purposes in the earth. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I'm going to have our prayer team come up here, our altar team. This team is here to receive you. If you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus, if you don't know him as Savior, friend, Lord, if you don't know that your sins have been forgiven, if you haven't received that, this is your chance. Why walk out those doors straight into hell, live in like hell all the way there? Why not come to him? Why not come to him? Why not come to him and let him receive his forgiveness? Amen. If you have pain in your body, this team sees miracles all the time. We want to see you healed. If you just need to confess your sins one to another that you may be healed, do it. Don't walk out of here with a dark secret about sexual immorality. Your secrets will find you out, and that's not a, that's not a threat. That's a promise from Jesus, not even from me. So get mad at him, all right? <laughs> I'm serious about this. It's time to purge the house of compromise because I want to be a praying people. Amen? Amen. So come, receive from the Lord. Get a free t-shirt. Still be happy. Pray for one another. Have a great day. We'll see you next week for part two. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.